Welcome to Series 1, Episode 5. This is my chat with Josh. Welcome to Episode 5. This episode features my longtime mate, Josh. Now, as an educator and a father, Josh has developed a keen understanding of the mental health needs of young people. We talk about our hopes for the future of boys and men's mental health and what we've seen since he first did Movember 10 years ago. Good evening, Josh. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Lee. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for joining me. You'll be... Uh the sixth and final episode of this podcast series. Ah, oh, saving the best to last. Yeah, yeah. So, or, or going out with a bang, one of those two. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, at this stage, late in the month of November, how is the Mo looking? Strong. Excellent. Strong. Yeah. Yeah. Has it... Somewhere between um, maybe Joe Danaher and... Um, Maybe like a a mid nineties LA cop. Oh, that's that's that is strong. Well <laughs> <Yeah>. done. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> how has it uh, compared to previous years? Uh, well, I, I actually wasn't planning on doing it November initially, um, but I'm at a new a new job and and the crew there were doing it, so I'd actually had a bit of a lead in and had a bit of a beard, so. I had maybe maybe a week or so's head start, oh, okay. so I just shaved in the moustache. Yep, yep. Um, nice. A little bit later on, so it was it was uh, it wasn't too painful. I didn't go through that wispy stage that a lot of people do, so from the first to the fourteenth. Yeah, well, there are some so, there are some people I chatted to uh, Jay earlier today uh, for the podcast, and he is still in the very early stages. He's not. His facial hair is not his strength. Not as pursuit no. as others. Perhaps. So uh, he's concentrating on the on the move aspect more than the actual mo. Um, yeah, I saw that. That was pretty good. I like that idea. Yeah, it's a good addition. Um, I'm up to 45 of my 60Ks, I think. So I've got a little bit more to do before the end of the week. But it's a good addition as well as, you know, connecting physical and mental health all together. Yeah, it does make sense. So, this isn't your first time doing Movember, is it? No. How many no, are we I up to? Um, a long time ago now. I probably haven't done it for maybe, uh, I want to say about six or seven years. Um, I did it for a few years before that. When I did it the first year. It's inaugural year. Oh, nice. With some people at my workplace. Yep. Um, um, so, we did it kind of two years in a row there and then, then it kind of, I think I moved workplaces and it never really popped up again. Um, and I wasn't, I don't know, it was something about Movember that it was being part of a group of people doing it, especially guys doing it, that um, that had more appeal to me than just growing a moustache, I suppose. That team um, element. Yeah, so to me, that, that was in, and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to do it this year at this new workplace because a few guys are doing it, and so I think it's, it is a, 
you know, I think the point of Movember when you do it is, of course, to raise awareness as an individual, but it's about that, the idea that if you can do it as part of a team, then you have those conversations with other blokes and that's really the crux of Movember is that you kind of are in it together. Yeah. Um, and that's how, you know, males traditionally don't talk about mental health together. They keep it to themselves. So, you know, being a part of that team is, is more of a draw card than just growing the mustache and doing the social media stuff for me personally. Yeah. So is that team element, that um, bunch of blokes talking about stuff together, is that really what draws you to Movember or certainly has drawn you back this time? Yeah. Yeah. I would say pretty strongly. So the first time we did it, you know, we was at a school and a lot of the male teachers jumped on board and. Um, you can kind of take a bit of the, you know, there is a, a bit of stick you get from you know, yeah. growing a moustache and, and that's the point and that's the joy of it. Um, but being in it together and you know, there's a competitive element of who can grow the, you know, the best one or who's got the, the worst one or whatever. But, you know, the fact that you're getting together and raising money and talking about it and, and you're all in it together um, is is much more appealing, and so not having been in a workplace where that was going on, um, I didn't feel as compelled to do it. But this year, uh, when I saw that emerge again, I was like, oh yeah, I'll be a part of that because I want to, you know, um, align myself with these people to say that yeah, we're all doing this together for a good cause. Yeah. Um, so once you get into that, you know, that into that team and back into Movember, what is it about? Movember as a, a cause and an event um, that you believe is really important? Um, I think it is It is a really visibly, you know, arguably horrible way. Yes, not <laughs> attractively visible. Um, but it is, it is a really obvious way of bringing attention to a cause that traditionally males are no good at talking about yeah. and and uh, and actively um, actively not talking about and actively avoiding actively hide yes so to wear something on your face um, to to kind of acknowledge that and it's quite interesting because uh, ten years ago when we first did it mustaches weren't at all weren't at all trendy like at all no um, whereas these days there is pockets you know pockets of Melbourne and stuff Fitzroy and Brunswick and stuff where you walk down the street and They've been doing Movember since January, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's not it's not as uncommon anymore to wear that. Well, um, yeah, you can. So it's a bit of a trend. The only way you can tell that they're still not doing Movember is that they're not well, in yeah. that dirty stage. Yeah, but um, so I think having it so visible is is quite the uh, the opposite to where a lot of mental health is for males and and where they don't talk about it. Um, so uh, and it's it's. It is a, a relatively, you know, kind of funny. Po it's a, in a way, in some ways, a bit self-deprecating about it, and and that's kind of a lot of men can can get on board with that. Yeah. Um, rather than taking something too seriously. Um, and I think that team and... element kind of lends itself to that, you know, in combination and kind of raises the power of that visibility um, and that obviousness. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think so. Um, and so that's that's appealing to me. I think that you know it's a bit of short-term pain, but you know actually wearing that and, and starting the conversation and and you know joining a bit of a a brotherhood like that to say, yep, yeah, we're all doing this for a pretty good cause. Have a chat about it. Have a think about it. Donate some money or don't. Doesn't really matter. But you know it's a good. I'm happy to take a bit of stick for a month. Um, so you know may, maybe one or two people might have a conversation about you know how good Movember is and what it means to them. Great. Um, and I suppose to me that's the point. It's not really about the raising of the money and, and stuff like that. It's about increasing that visibility, uh, increasing the awareness and, and breaking down some of those barriers for people to talk. Great. So you said uh, 10 years ago was your first one. What have you yeah. seen change in the, in that decade, either from the Movember point of view or in terms of men's mental health in general? Uh, yeah, I think there's been a big shift uh, in both. I mean, from it, it's significantly more organised, yeah. uh, Movember, this time and more social media driven. I mean, they've tapped into that very, very well. Mm. Um, but, I mean, you even saw their reach now in terms of, I think there was Movember up on the on the oval, the cricket yeah, at test the Gabba, yeah. in Brisbane. Um, but as you and I were speaking about before we started this podcast, it was around the, you know, the ways that they've connected it to other things that are extremely positive, like, you know, in the Movember moving um, goals that you can set targets, which, you know, we now know the very strong correlation between, you know, physical health and improved mental health yeah. um, and activity and, and, and what that can do for people's mental health. And, and so I think them building in other avenues, you know, for people that maybe are too shy to do Movember or um, well, and I all think those unfortunate souls that maybe can't actually yeah. engage well, we in Movember. We also have the Mo um, sisters Male or female. Well. Yep. Um, they, they can jump on board and still be part of that of the movement and the awareness thing. Um, so I think that's that's been a pretty big change yeah. that they, they've they kind of permeated lots of parts of uh, society, but they've also started to, to lead the way in showing things like, you know, the positive connections between mental health and physical health and, and talking about issues and stuff, which is when I first started, it was like a bit of a joke and a bit of a laugh and an awareness raiser. Yeah. Um, but in terms of mental health, Men's mental health, I think there has been a big shift in the last 10 years and I think that's due to things like this but also just due to more concerted efforts, you know, um, by in lots of areas, you know, through social media and all the way down to local councils who are doing things like you know, men's sheds for, for you know, retirees or, or, you know, older men who you know, kind of lose connection networks and, yeah. or whatever. And so they go to these men's sheds and build stuff together and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's, I've seen that emerge in the last five or, or so years, which I think is really positive where other communities are acknowledging that, well, maybe blokes need a bit of help. Yeah. Um, this is Because a... they're not going to do it by themselves. Like they're not going to go to the doctors when they're sick and they're not going to speak to someone when they're sad and they're not going to, you know, tell people if they're anxious, they're going to grin and bear it or they're going to push through it or, you know, and then it manifests in lots of negative ways. They're saying, well, let's give spaces. Let's give them opportunities to just wander in and yep. try something out and see how they go. And I think that's um, 
you know, it's a probably much more unique way of doing things and a, a uniquely male way of thinking about the problem. But I think that seems to be, you know, working. Yeah, it's certainly um, an area which has grown recently and, and continues to grow as more and more people, communities uh, be- believe that that is a need that needs to be addressed. So speaking of mental health and talking about uh, and dealing with what we need to deal with, how are you feeling at the moment? <laughs> it's a great question, Lee. Thank you for asking. <laughs> I think that's one of the things. We don't do that. We don't ask. Yeah, well, we start the conversation yeah. like we started this episode with, you know, hi, how are you going? But we don't really get, we don't really give a deep answer um, and we're not often really asking the question with the intent of receiving a deep answer. So how are you feeling? Yeah, um, I'm feeling pretty good, actually, um, as I have for most of my life. I'm pretty great, lucky individual in lots of ways. Yep. Um, but I've just had, you know, some pretty big moves in my life in terms of moving away from the city and moving down towards the coast and changing jobs and um, those sorts of things. Um, and all of those have been really positive um, kind of uh, cogs in my world. Um, and so, you know, I'm very lucky to have a great relationship with my wife and my family members and my young children. And so... Uh, life for me is going pretty well at the moment. Excellent. Um, so yeah, so thank you for asking. Oh, and that's uh, it's good to hear. So we've talked about uh, the changes that you've noticed in the last ten years, uh, and you just mentioned that you have young children. What kind of changes would you like to see in the next ten, fifteen years? Uh, to make it easier or better for your young son in terms of the world he's growing up in uh, and dealing with whatever comes his way. Yeah, it's such a, you know, being an educator as well and dealing with young people uh, and then becoming a parent of two beautiful children, um, a male and a female, it's very interesting to try and navigate that world and figure out what the answer is. There's still a large part of me that subscribes to, maybe perhaps, or or still thinks in like the toughen up. You know, I feel like in a lot of ways, yeah, kids aren't tough enough. I never know what that means, um, yeah. but I think what that actually means in today's society is kids understanding that that being resilient is an important skill that they need to develop. And for a long time, I don't think we saw resilience as a skill we needed to develop. You either had it or you didn't, or you toughened up, or you're a sook or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think for young males it's hard um, because of those stigmas around those things. But um, as a parent, what I hope for is that communities and um, and schools and parents and you know all the people that are around in their little villages and stuff can start to think about the idea of creating resilient humans 
So resilience doesn't mean tough and it doesn't mean unemotional. Yeah. It means things like falling down and appreciating you have to get back up, but also understanding that you'll probably fall down a lot. And if you do fall down, not everybody has to you know, pick you up and wipe the skin off your knee and, and give you a Band-Aid. And like, there's other, there is lots of ups and downs. And, um, and so it's, you've got to appreciate that and you've got to talk about how you're feeling at the time and then you've got to find a strategy to move on to the next thing or, you know, those kinds of ideas. Um, and they're fraught with danger. They're fraught with, you know, hundreds of years of, you know, societal expectations and all those sorts of things and, and it can be really tricky. But, um, you know, we, we went, in some ways, we went one a little bit too far with giving everybody a star for having a go or, you yeah. know, even if they were crap at it and then and telling them that they can be the next, they could be whatever they wanted to be and telling them that they're a special and unique snowflake. And then well, and taking when it actually a lot got of out those... there saying, oh, yeah, but if you want those things, you've got to work really hard and sometimes you get smacked on those and sometimes you're going to fall down and no one's going to pick you up, but you can be that. And they're like, whoa, I wasn't, I didn't get that part of the memo. Yeah. Like, I didn't read that in the fine print. And removing a lot of those barriers, I guess, or a lot of those things that do cause us to fall or present us with challenges early on um, kind of goes against that idea of resilience that you were talking about in terms of knowing that things are going to come across our path, knowing that we're going to be confronted with things and we have to be able to have the strategies to work through those uh, and to come through them on the other side. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I have noticed very acutely as a parent is that it breaks your heart every time your child is upset. Yeah. Whether they're upset because something really bad has happened or whether they're upset because their bowl is blue instead of orange. Like it doesn't really, yeah. it doesn't matter how insane the upset is. You feel it pretty strongly. And so your inclination is to try and avoid them to being as upset as much as possible. Um, but really what's better is, is to let them feel that upset and then help them work through that upset rather than avoid them being upset. Yes. Does that make sense? Like it makes total in sense. In terms of building resilience, one of the one of the things I think is is important is giving kids, young kids, older kids, whatever, the language of emotion, so they can articulate how they're feeling and I, and why they're feeling it, and then you can then start conversations about how to change that. Maybe it's a, a, the way that they've perceived a situation, or maybe it's the way that they've interpreted a situation, or maybe it's the way that they're feeling about other things, but if they can't put the language on that, then you can't have a discussion about how you might find a strategy to get around it or move through it. Or sometimes just sit in it. You know, we're not great at acknowledging that sometimes things just suck and you gotta be sad. Yeah. You know. I'm not saying, No, you got it no, it's okay, you'll be fine, hey, just get up and move on. Like, no, that that thing really sucked and let's all be sad for a couple of days about that because it warrants it. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you're depressed or whatever. It just means you're being sad. And then you go, okay, well, let's start to climb out of this hole and and find a way to, you know, yeah, not solve it, but deal with it, live with it. Lots of people carry lots of, you know, horrible traumas and tragedies with them and they're extremely resilient and other people carry those traumas and tragedies and they're not, uh, you know, it, it's hard to navigate that. But as a parent, 
I think what we're trying to do is just give them the language of emotion and and you know and think about themselves and where they are in the situation and can it be better and can I change and you know and it, and it's hard. I think and it takes a long time, but certainly, I think in the long run, it can be valuable. Yeah, it's certainly difficult, and I think even like this has come up in a couple of other interviews. I think that language of emotion that you're talking about is something that a lot of adult men are lacking um, because it's something that we don't talk about traditionally, um, and we do bottle it up and we do avoid it and without the tools to be able to talk about it um, then it's not going to get talked about it's not going to get dealt with uh, and it's not going to be good it's going to be one of those things that leads us down a dark path yeah yeah and I mean as an educator you see this emerging work around people trying to figure out about growth mindset and resilience and and um and respectful relationships and, and talking to, to people about big, messy ideas that generally we avoid. Mm. Um, and it's not easy. It's not easy. I said for older generations who didn't talk about that stuff, it's even harder. Um, but I think in, you know, as back to your initial question of what do I want to see in the next 10 to 15 years is I want communities and educational institutions um, to, you know, think about, talk about resilience and emotional language and um, and acknowledging that, you know, some days suck, some days are great and we should appreciate all of them. Certainly. I think not, well, I think the world would be a much better place if we could talk about a lot more things much more easily. Um so my final question uh, for this evening is what would be a piece of advice that you would give to someone that might be going through a bit of a rough patch or feel like they're having uh, some issues around their mental health? Yeah. Um, I think the first thing, I mean, I'm not in any in, in, in great position to be giving people too much advice about it, but you know, things that I would suggest that could be helpful would be understanding that A, they're not alone. They're not the first person that yeah. this has happened to. They won't be the last. And and there are plenty of avenues that they can explore that, that would help them. And they don't have to do this by themselves. I mean, I regularly talk to lots of young adults who are dealing with these sorts of things. And and one of the most important things I can say is talk to an adult about it, talk to someone about it, um, you know, someone that you trust or whatever, because it, these are, things are often too heavy to carry by yourself. Well, and I think um, that saying that you're not alone comes back to that team and that brotherhood idea that you mentioned that, you know, has drawn you to Movember, is that part of the awareness of Movember is be us becoming aware of other people in our lives that may have been affected by mental health issues and increasing the amount of conversation increases that awareness that other people are going through similar things, other people are there to be able to help us in dealing with them 
uh, and even just to be there for a conversation as a starting point. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If, you, if you're in a bad spot, ring a mate and say, let's go for a beer and, and just go, yeah, look, yeah. I'm not feeling great or whatever and and hopefully the friend listens and the friend may not so if that friend doesn't then ring another friend and go for another beer somewhere and you know and watch the watch the cricket or watch the footy or or whatever and uh and just you know stand it out there'll be someone the sheer weight of numbers statistics says that he probably only has to ask four people and he's going to bump into someone he's probably going to bump into someone who's had a similar experience to him yeah you know it's one in, I think it's one in four, one in five. I'm not sure what the stats are for males, but um, and it doesn't have to you have to tell another male, tell your partner, tell your mum, tell you whatever. But it doesn't even um, need to be someone who has had that similar situation. It could just be someone who is willing to listen. Yeah, that's what anybody needs. I mean, there's professionals that listen for a living, and they're great. And not everybody's cup of tea. But you can go and find those at, at um, you know, through your GP and, and do all those things if you wish. But someone not everyone wants to go straight to that. Sometimes they just need someone to listen. And that, and that's the other part of Movember is that if you're in a fortunate position, you know, like I am, and, and for quite a few other people I know who aren't dealing with something at the moment or haven't had to deal with something like that, then it's incumbent upon us who are feeling really good at the moment to listen. True. You know, that's the the power of are you okay day is a similar idea. But the, if you're feeling good, that's great. Love that and enjoy that. And then if there's someone around you that you feel like maybe they're not, then just listen. Excellent. Great advice. Great ideas. Thank you, Josh, for your time. Always a pleasure, Leroy. Thank you. All the best. Uh, and enjoy yourself. I will. I'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye. See you, mate. Bye. Thank you for listening to episode five and sticking with me this far in series one. If you haven't done so already, make sure you find the subscribe button on whichever app that you are listening to this podcast. For more about me, head to leecolehayhow.com and for more about our production partners, Oddsocks Entertainment, hit up oddsocksentertainment.com.au.